0: If you're going to talk about any show that has been influenced by the post-Snowden stuff, I think Mr. Robot is that
1: show. Hello, friend. You're listening to Decrypted, Ars Technica's Mr. Robot podcast. This week, it's intermission time for the Season 2 finale. We'll take stock of the season so far and look at the questions that remain with GQ critic Scott Meslow. Ars Technica's Nathan Matisse here. Thanks for tuning in to Decrypted. This is a particularly odd week to do a Mr. Robot podcast. When people revisit this series, whether you've seen it before or whether you're binging for the first time, inevitably the last two hours of season two will be seen as a singular entity. And according to Hitfix's Alan Seppenwall, that was Sam Esmail and Co.'s intent at one point anyway. For one reason or another, USA decided to air the two parter in back-to-back weeks, and right now, we're truly at the intermission. Are you a giraffe or a seagull? So rather than dive deep into what the Angela conversation with White Rose may mean, or if Terrell and Elliot's interactions at the end of the episode are genuine or not, I figured, let's take stock of just the facts. You can find a list of Mr. Robot Season 2's lingering questions just about anywhere. I recommend the subreddit. But what answers do we have so far? Here's what we genuinely know going into the second half of Mr. Robot Season 2 finale. On the question of whether Darlene and Cisco are dead, well, someone's alive. When Dom's getting interrogated by the medical staff and her boss, Santiago, she mentions she wants to do the interview later. That means someone from the crime scene has to be surviving. And the odds are good that it's probably Darlene. You go back and look for the frame by frame breakdowns that certain people posted to the Mr. Robot subreddit. The first shots seem to be directly at Cisco's head. And then uh, maybe a ketchup bottle gets hit and people get under the table. At any rate, someone is alive. Question two. What does White Rose want with the Washington Township plant? Technically, we still don't really know. But now we have a greater sense of what the answer may be, as when White Rose pulled Angela in, she went directly to the topic. Apparently, White Rose and maybe the Dark Army, maybe the Chinese government, has pegged the Washington Township plant say, going 25 years back to when Angela and Elliot's parents were still working there. If they've been involved that long, the reasoning probably goes a lot deeper than, say, oh, China wants uranium, or it's some type of money deal that the Dark Army has with E-Corp. Finally, perhaps the only other question we made any movement on in the first half of this season's finale is just what exactly is Price going to do to get back out Jiang and the Chinese government? We see Price go to the US government and lay it all out. He's taking a giant bailout sum from China. And his solution to get around this? Let's make eCoin an official US currency and allow US citizens to take loans in eCoin rather than getting caught up in other digital or cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, which, conveniently, the Chinese government has a large possession and stake of. Now, I'm the first to admit, none of these are 100% factual answers. It just seems like what is going on based on the limited amount of evidence we got in the first half of this finale. Um. That's really the trick with trying to analyze what's going on with Mr. Robot today. The finale is two parts. It wasn't the creative team's decision to split them up, and therefore we're only getting half of the full picture. After next week, we still may not have all the answers. Mr. Robot has definitely been a show that provides more questions and leaves those lingering than it does giving us concrete proof or concrete facts. Just think back to season one, the big questions hanging over it were what happened to Terrell and what happened in those three days surrounding the 5-9 hacks, and those are still the big questions lingering over the season two finale. I have no idea what's going to be lingering as we head into season three, but I know the list of questions, things like where are Trent and Mobley, who killed Romero, what is going on with the weird gifts and calls to Joanna Wellick? Some of those will be answered. Have faith. There is, in fact, another hour. After an episode of Mr. Robot airs, whether it's the finale or any of the episodes prior, fans probably first turn to the subreddit, slash r slash Mr. Robot, because that's where people are diving into the various hacks, into the cryptographic clues, and all the other potential Easter eggs that Cora, Donna, and staff may have left. But, after that, sometimes it helps to have another person help you process what's going on in the show's universe. Now. TV fans far and wide may know the names like, say, HitFix's Alan Sepinwall or the New Yorker's Emily Nussbaum. But for me, this season, I've enjoyed reading GQ's Scott Meslow, Week In and Week Out. Scott covers a variety of film and television for GQ, but in particular, his Mr. Robot recaps for Season 2 have struck a chord with me, and I find myself agreeing with him again and again and again. So, as we take a pause to see just what the end of Season 2 was going to look like, I thought now would be a perfect time to grab Scott for 15 minutes and hear how he feels about what has happened so far and what he thinks will come next. Plus, the dude wrote a great Edward Snowden piece this week, and I had to ask. All right, joining me this week on the podcast, I've got GQ's entertainment and culture critic, Scott Meslow. Scott, thanks for taking some time out of your day.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here.
1: Well, it's a pleasure for me to have you because I know TV viewers probably recognize, I don't say Alan Sepinwall or some of these other deans of modern TV criticism. But I've been reading your reviews of Mr. Robot consistently throughout this year, and I find myself agreeing with you close to ninety percent of the time, maybe more than that. And as much as I love Mr. Robot and it's a show that allows me to do this podcast and gives me interesting things to ponder, there have definitely been some aspects of season two that i struggle with and i feel like you have articulated that extremely well through your week-to-week reviews yeah well thank you
0: and for what it's worth i love mr robot too but, you know, <laughs> can't yeah. be great all the time or you know it can't it'd be nice if it was
1: yeah and you know none of us could follow a show if you didn't like it that point yeah, you just jump out after episode one or episode two so i, I want to believe all the critics who are reviewing it are hoping for the best but sometimes we struggle just like any viewer would Uh, So I wanted to start by just asking you, now that we are 95% of the way through season two, have you started to kind of organize your feelings on it as a whole? And if so, can you give me a little hint about what you might be writing about once the season concludes?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the way that the show has gone over season two, it's I have such a hard time getting mad at a show for being ambitious There's just there's so many lazy ways to execute a second season in particular (laughs) after you've had a successful first season and they're really swinging for the fences. You can really see the commitment to doing something totally unlike anything else on TV. It's been a show that's been a lot of fun to cover in a lot of ways, but it's also, I think, ultimately a season that's been pretty confused, a season that's unstructured in sort of a strange way, mm-hmm. and a season that didn't quite know kind of which cards it should be playing at which times all the way up to the end. I mean, literally, up until right now. I think there are still <laughs> there are still dangling cliffhangers that I go, there's no reason we shouldn't have this information yet, except for it's being withheld.
1: Yeah, it's... I will say, I understood going into season two especially, but maybe even the series as a whole, because I jumped in a little bit late, that this was originally envisioned as a film. And so maybe that lends itself to what you were describing. The structure is a little bit odd, and it doesn't necessarily follow the way traditional TV might be made. Whereas season one had a clear goal, and our heroes kind of worked towards it over the course of 10 episodes, it's hard for me to put my finger on what the clear goal of season two might have been for Elliot or for Angela. And the fact that we were able to spread out amongst the cast as a whole has given us for lack of a better metaphor, more plates to spin and more things to juggle. And now we only have one hour left and it feels like it's going to be very difficult for all of those things to resolve or even set themselves up to be resolved in season three.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of the plates you're describing are about to come crashing down. We are a week away <laughs> from watching that happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, just for people who haven't been keeping up with reviews, I I like your theory that we are about to hit some sort of anarchy. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, kind of, you know, because clearly this show wants to be engaged with in in theories and, you know, kind of the obsessive Reddit approach. Like that, I think, is the audience that Mr. Robot is explicitly catering to at this point. And so with kind of that in mind, you know, where where could it go that could be any darker and weirder than what we've gotten? And the closest I have to a pet theory is that we're on the cusp of basically an apocalyptic technological breakdown <laughs> where, you know, stage two that, you know, the, the oft mentioned stage two, which is still totally unexplained in any meaningful way is some sort of grand scheme to cripple E Corp and, you know, the United States economy in general by obliterating all of the technology we have. And, That's the brownouts that we've seen so much over the past few episodes, which there have almost been so many at this point that I feel like I've been tricked by a red herring because it's almost (laughs) too obvious. They keep reminding us that there are these strange power outages, which to me seem like kind of a harbinger of doom. The other reason that I kind of like this theory from a personal perspective is it would give me a version of Mr. Robot in Season 3 without computers. And I think given... Given kind of the logical conclusions we've reached with a lot of those themes in season two, it would be cool to see the show reinvent itself and reinvent its characters without kind of the crutches it started to fall on.
1: I have a hard time imagining how you would do Mr. Robot without the technology aspect to it. It'd be a brand new show. Maybe they've done enough character work this season. And, you know, as we briefly mentioned, some of the Angelas and Darlene's of the world have come to the forefront much more than they ever did in season one. So maybe they have done enough character work to support that type of situation yeah i want to i want to ask you about looking at season two as a whole you'd mentioned how mr robot has really swung for the fences on a number of different times and, and tried things traditional tv might not could you identify maybe a couple of those things that have really worked for you and maybe one or two that haven't so much
0: yeah. I mean, I think at the bare minimum, anytime I'm frustrated with this show, what I take a step back and remember is it is more fun to watch just from a purely <laughs> visual aesthetic perspective than anything else on TV. It's not even close. It's, it's always surprising me. It's always doing such cool stuff visually. I loved, I loved the Adderall trip visually in an episode that I thought was kind of overlong <laughs> and disjointed. I was just like riveted watching the TV. I loved the sitcom detour. I thought that was so great. And, you know, it's almost becoming a cliche to do the whole, like, oh, sitcoms can be dark, too. Like, wasn't it kind of weird? But they committed to it so much. Like, to do the first half of the episode and to have Alf show up for a guest spot and the camera work. Like, I just thought that was the best version of that you can do. I see how it is. You two are just going to keep stringing us along. Elliot and Angela a regular will-they-won't-they couple. <laughs> <coughs> Uh-oh. Sounds like that cancer's acting up again. Looks like it, too. (laughs) In terms of stuff that's not working, I'm really personally pretty bored of the Elliot-Mr. Robot dichotomy. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't think there's a lot more to say there. And if, you know, I almost want, as as, as much as I love the performance of Rami Malek in particular, I would love for him to almost blend into a part of the ensemble at this point and for the show to be a little less obsessed with his worldview. Both because it's starting to feel a little repetitive and because it's gotten to the point where it, colors, the way you watch every single scene, you're pulled out because you're trying to figure out whether or not it's even happening.
1: To piggyback off of what you were just saying, I feel like some of the strongest parts of season two have been when Elliot is really out of the game. In the middle of the season, I love the interplay between Darlene and Angela and the little hacking spree we got where Angela had to infiltrate the FBI setup at E-Corp. That might have been my favorite segment of the season. And, you know, this finale even, for all of the struggles I've had with part one of it because it leaves so much up for the second hour. It, it was awesome to see two of perhaps the most likable and most interesting characters, Angela and White Rose, in the same room in something that you might have thought was an unexpected occurrence even a few episodes ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i still kind of processing that Angela scene.
1: I <laughs> What's going on? Have you ever cried during sex?
0: Who are you? Who sent you here?
1: Please answer the question. Have you ever cried during sex?
0: I'm not answering these questions.
1: If you don't answer, I'll be punished. They'll beat me.
0: There, there was a part of me that was so riveted by it and a part of me that was so irritated by it. <laughs> and and I think I juggled that throughout the entire episode right up to the end. And I, I think it's one of those where I need to see the payoff before I'm willing to say a totally surreal trip was worth the time it took.
1: Yeah, it, and I think that's one of the instances where if they had put the... Two hours with, you know, without seeing the second hour, if they had put the two hours on the same night, maybe that alleviates some of the frustration because you're right. Like any scene with White Rose is intentionally vague and philosophical and hard to decipher unless you get to see the payoff. Right. Speaking of that second hour, what are you hoping is achieved in the second half of Mr. Robot's season two finale? And separating your hopes from what you may expect. Is there a difference there? For me, there are three things that just
0: need to be answered for it not to be really irritating to wait for season three. (laughs) I want to know where Trenton and Mobley ended up. I'm sick of waiting to hear that. I want to know whether Darlene or Cisco are dead or alive. And I want to know who's sending Joanna stuff pretending to be Tyrell. Other stuff you can theoretically table. You know, it's still weird to me that, you know, Romero was murdered in what, the first or second episode of the season? and yeah. <laughs> They haven't even attempted to answer that. I mean, we can, we can maybe just assume it was the Dark Army, but it feels like a thing that at some point we should get, you know, put a button on that. There are lots of little mysteries. Even, you know, if you set up stage two is about to happen or phase two, and that's the, you know, that's the cliffhanger leading into season three. That's not even a terrible cliffhanger. but But for me... In a season that has often been very abstract and doubled back on itself and been much more interested in, you know, doubling back than on doing any kind of forward momentum. Like I want concrete answers to those three questions.
1: <laughs> F- fingers crossed for you, because I-, I definitely have the sense that again, as you mentioned earlier, the show is very cognizant that its audience likes to research and dive in, and perhaps that's why Mr. Robot has offered us question after question while leaving a lot of them unresolved. I never would have predicted ahead of the season, for instance, that we'd get so little Terrell and so much White Rose. And still, the question of what was going on with Terrell after the hacks and in that kind of gray period of Elliot's mind is, is another one of the ones that hangs over the finale and we may or may not get resolution.
0: Yeah, it's true. And, and that, to me, is a classic example of the show keeping a cliffhanger going pointlessly long. Yeah. Like, I... I don't see. I mean, we'll, we'll, obviously, we'll find out what happens next week, and it's possible I'll be eating crow, and there was some brilliant <laughs> explanation that hasn't occurred to me. I'm totally willing to acknowledge that that's a possibility. But when you know, when kind of the intriguing twist becomes the irritating thing, because you're just sick of waiting for the answer, that's when you've kind of tipped over into a storytelling place that isn't working anymore. Yeah. And it was just, I got to the point where I started to feel like. The show, the show wasn't withholding stuff because the plot, it made sense for it to. It was because Sam Esmail was editing scenes so that they would end just when the answer was going to come. And that starts to feel manipulative <laughs> as an
1: audience. That's
0: not, you know, that's not, oh, it's not the same as when, oh, my God, Mr. Robot was Elliot's split personality the whole time, where the show played very fair and gave you information at the appropriate times. That's just, you know, how long can we as the people running a show manipulate the structure of the story to keep you from learning things?
1: And, and as a viewer, it's hard for me to gauge whether that comes from a place of wanting to prolong the mystery or feeling like you need to prolong the mystery or if they are, because Eshmael was thinking of this as a film, kind of almost setting this up to be a series that will be better binge watched three or four years from now. If you're willing to you know watch 12 hours of television in a row, Right, perhaps that will feel less of like we're being cheated of the answers week after week after week. And right. I do think
0: season two will play better on
1: a binge watch. I, I think I agree with you there too. Uh, you know, pending the finale, who knows? Yep. <laughs> well, I, I want to get two quick questions in, if you don't mind. I don't want to keep Absolutely. you much longer. But first, just a simple one. I think, I think I know your answer based on our conversation so far. If you were not reviewing the show then, do, would you feel like you would keep up with Mr. Robot season two in the same way? Or do you feel like it would be building on your DVR, something you might revisit, but at some point you would have hit a point of frustration.
0: I think I would still be watching. It's it's a show that at the very least continues to intrigue me all the time. I, I think I would also be just as frustrated with it. I might be watching it at a slightly different pace and probably with a little less rigor, which maybe I would enjoy it more or less. You know, I, I guess... I can see that going either way if you were just watching without thinking about writing, you know, 1,200 words on it every week. <laughs> but, but I still, I continue to find the world so interesting, which is what keeps me coming back, you know. My, kind of my dream version of this show would just be a short story collection set in the, in the immediate aftermath of the 5-9 hack, where you could just watch all the ripple effects for all of these people around the country, I think. Part of the reason I can get annoyed with how laser-focused we are on Elliot is that the world is so interesting at this point.
1: I, th- I think I agree with you, too. And, you know, that speaks to the fact that they've been able to get around Elliot being a central character and go into these other people who are affected by the Five Nine hacks in a variety of ways. Definitely. But before we go, I would be remiss if I didn't mention I thought you had a great piece in GQ this past week, uh, an observation ahead of the film Snowden coming out, where the Snowden revelations have finally permeated our TV and film watching in the sense that any type of film or TV series that deals with the government is taking this into account finally. And Mr. Robot certainly being one of them, as we saw this season, they had, was it Operation Berenstein? Ended up right. being some type of FBI surveillance mechanism that wasn't necessarily central to the overall plot, but maybe it will come back down the line since they have planted that seed. Uh, And I just wanted to get your thoughts a little bit further on that. Your piece specifically talks about film and how it's adopted this, but you've seen it on TV as well, I assume.
0: Oh, yeah. And Mr. Robot is probably, if you're going to talk about any show that has been influenced by the post-Snowden stuff, I think Mr. Robot is that show.
1: I don't know what I did wrong. I thought she was into me.
0: Don't let it get you in the dumps. Getting into the mind of a woman, it's the toughest route for even the best sources, I I can't get into it right now, this F-Society video is blowing up in our face.
1: Some fucked up shit you guys did. It's got me all paranoid. How do I know you guys aren't watching me too? look like fools. Shit's worse than Snowden.
0: The other reason that it continues to be so interesting is, even though it's obviously very surreal and art-like in a lot of ways, I don't think there's a show that's as engaged with what's actually happening in the world right now with Mr. Robot and the way that kind of builds in people's cynicism about what the government's doing right now. And, you know, the Snowden revelation certainly being a huge part of that. I mean, I, I can't remember if Mr. Robot has explicitly name checked Edward Snowden as a lot of other movies and TV shows have <laughs> at this point, but I'd be surprised if it hadn't with all of the other real world figures they've built in. And I think that that revelation was one of the things that makes this such a uniquely timely show that it was it was right there as that news was breaking.
1: I think, yeah, I'm with you. If memory serves, I feel like we've seen Snowden as a talking head. I don't know if it's come out of any of the characters' mouths, but maybe in like one of those CNN montages. Right. But yeah, I mean, the the reason it the paranoia of the Mr. Robot universe exists is because of what was going on in the real world. And the show has done a great job of incorporating it. What was it? Last week we even had Terry Colby talking about Ruining Trump's presidency with uh, whatever garbage he has on him from the past lives. So it, Yep. kept they waiting a really for good Trump
0: job. to show up. They finally did
1: it. <laughs> Maybe in season three. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Scott, I really appreciate your time and your insight as to Mr. Robot season two at whole My fingers crossed that we get a good finale and I look forward to seeing what you have to say about it on GQ.
0: Thanks. I'm hoping with you.
1: <laughs> cool. Thank you. That's it for this week's Decrypted. Thanks, as always, go out to the Audio Network, who provided all the sound you heard throughout the episode, and to GQ Scott Meslow, who took some time out of his day to talk about his reviews in Mr. Robot Season 2. Make sure you're following Decrypted wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, or directly through RSS. If you got questions, comments, or thoughts, feel free to reach out to us, either through the Ars Technica forums or via email, social at arstechnica.com, Just put Mr. Robot in the subject line. We'll be back next week to talk about whatever happens in the epic season two finale. But until then.
0: Alexa, do you love me? That's not the kind of thing I am capable of.